So kind of as my wife said earlier, we went to Orange County this week, really last minute. Um, and we did have a good trip though. So we, we, had, we got to spend some time with some family. Uh, and one of the days we went to the Santa Ana Zoo uh, and you know when you go when you get ready to go in the zoo and you see all the pictures on the outside of the zoo and they they show the animals all moving around and you know the the animals all look you know nice and clean and you know looks good then you get in the zoo and uh, it was kind of depressing <laughs> uh, you know one of the one of the places we went to was to see the camels uh, and we expected, you know, the camels, you know, everybody, you know, says that they spit on you and stuff or whatever, but, and they're mean. Well, we went over to the camel pen and this camel's just laying there the, the whole time. I mean, and we decided to make a loop and come back to the camel, camel's still laying there. Uh, in fact, the shade moved a little bit and the camel had moved a little bit with the shade. Uh, so, uh, but it just made me think, you know, sometimes these animals, you know, they, they say that if they're in captivity for so long that they can never really release them back into the wild uh, because they just don't really have that, that will to survive like that anymore. And it's, it's kind of, it's, that's kind of sad to think about. And when we think about that for us too, and sometimes we can be trapped in a state for so long that it's really hard to change. Uh, it's really hard to be free again. You know, when we're in a sinful lifestyle for so long, it's sometimes hard to, uh, harder to change than it is to just continue on. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? This is a question that Jesus actually asked a man uh, that was sitting by this pool that um, he believed would uh, make him well, but he just said, oh, I have no one to put me in there, or whenever I'm trying, someone goes in before me. Uh, and this man had just been in that state for so long. And I, I've often thought about this question that Jesus asked you. You would think, uh, that man's been like that for 38 years. Of course he would want to be made well. Why, why would you even ask that question? But it's an important question because that man had been there for so long that the change that would be, would, would be made in his life can sometimes be painful. Uh, some, it's scary to change, uh, even if that change is good. We, it's the, the fear of the unknown. So let's go ahead and pray before we open up God's word. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. I, I thank you for this church, Lord. And um, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us not to have an aversion to change, Lord, and, uh, I tr and to trust that the changes that you would make in our lives, that those changes are good, and that we can trust you, Lord, in that. I pray, Lord, as we move forward this morning, that you would just keep our hearts and our minds open to what you have to teach us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 15, and then we'll then we'll discuss this passage. Um, it says, and starting in verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time 
into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have made, been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So there's a lot of musts this morning. Uh, things that we must do uh, in response to this passage. First, we must decide that we want Jesus to change us. We must decide that we want Jesus to change us. You know, that, that may seem like an insignificant thing, but is it conscious decision in order to follow the Lord? We have to decide in our lives that we want Jesus to work on us. And this goes even after we're saved. We have to continue to make that decision for Jesus to change our lives. Jesus isn't going to work on us if we're not actively open to it. We have to decide that we want Jesus to work on us. Uh, let's go ahead and read verse 5 and 6 again. It says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? So notice, Jesus asks him the question, do you want to be made well? This is an amazing thing here because you don't really see this in the other miracles that Jesus does. But this man had been there so long and Jesus knew that the man had been there so long that he's like, he, Jesus is asking this question, do you want to be made well? It's the same words, right? But you, you think about it in that way. Did that man really want the change that was coming into his life? Remember, this man had been in that condition 38 years. That is not an insignificant amount of time. Even if the man was an older man, that would still be a, a huge portion of his life. That man was obviously used to the condition that he was in. 
this had been uh, part of his life for so long that sometimes being different, you know, his life changing in that way, uh, that might mean some scary things for him. And Jesus, coming along, knew this about the man. So it makes sense that Jesus would ask this question. Did this man really want what Jesus had to offer? This amount of time is important. You know, they say that given enough time, uh, people can adapt to almost any situation. Uh, given enough time, right? And so that's, we are highly adaptable to things. You know, it's one thing that humans really can't adapt to, constant change. Uh, change is actually one of the worst things for the human brain. Uh, in fact, so much so that one of the methods of torture that they use in other countries is to constantly change the routine, uh, constantly change things. Don't even let them have a clock to see what time it is. Don't let them see what time of day it is. They, they don't get any sunlight. They have no idea when they're gonna get woken up or not and things just constantly change, right? That can drive a person crazy. So change is a very difficult thing for people sometimes. It can be very difficult for us too. Sometimes we get stuck in a rut. Uh, we get stuck in the way things are. Why do we do it? Oh, that's just the way we've always done it. We do that. But even, so sometimes the changes that Jesus would have for us, even though they may be good, they can be scary because we don't know what the future may hold. And see, at least when we're keeping things the exact same as the way they've always been, uh, we know kind of what's going to happen tomorrow, right? If we, if we have the same routine, that, that thing is, things are going to be the exact same way tomorrow. This is the true with sin in our lives too. Sin can become so much a part of our lives that we kind of are stuck to it. It becomes a part of us. It would, we go, oh, that's just the way I am. But that's not the way that God would have you to be. You know, I heard it, this, is, this is exactly what sin is like, is this situation here, like the, the animal that was just giving up. Right? The camel that was just laying on the ground, giving up on life, basically. Uh, you know, he got his meals and uh, he, you know, laid around all day. I heard an analogy one time comparing sin to a prison, right? And sin is a prison. And you think about this, you, you've heard the term institutionalized, right? Uh, where people have been in prison for so long that they don't know how to act when they have freedom because that was what they were used to for so long. And I heard this analogy that sin is like a jail cell, right? And the door is open. The door is wide open, but the jail cell is so comfortable that you really never want to leave. And that's what sin is like. And the reality, though, is, is someday that jail cell door is going to slam shut. And then it won't be so comfortable anymore. And so sin may be comfortable in our lives here, but someday we're stuck and we can't leave. And we have to pay the consequences. So when Jesus comes along in our lives and says, do you want to be made well? 
we have to abandon some of those things that we've grown to find comfort in to follow Christ. And again, that can be scary sometimes. So we have to make that decision that we want Christ to change us. We have to make that decision. Again, it's a conscious decision. You have to say, yes, Christ, I want you to change me. This is on a personal level, right? For us as individuals, we have to make that decision. Christ, I want you to change me on the inside. This is also on a family level. You see, we have to say, yes, Christ, I want you to change my family. I want you to change my family for the better. We have some problems right now, some things that we're maybe used to. Uh, I argue with my spouse all the time, and that's just what we do, and then we get over it, and it's okay. God says it's not okay. And so we have to say, yes, Christ, I want you to work in my family. This is on a church level, too. We have to say, yes, Christ, I want you to work in my church. I want you to change us for the better. We should never be comfortable with the way things are. The moment we get comfortable with the way things are, that's when we start dying. We have to constantly be moving forward, constantly be growing closer and closer to Christ as a person, as a family, and as a church. So the next must here in this passage, we must stop making excuses. We must stop making excuses. John chapter 5, verse 7, this next verse here, it says, The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Notice this man's response to Jesus' question. Did he actually answer Jesus' question? Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? The man answers with excuses of why he is not well. He didn't say, yes, I want to be made well, or no, I don't want to be made well. Instead, he says, I have no one to put me in the pool. Uh, whenever I try, someone goes in before me. That wasn't what Jesus asked. Jesus asked him simply, do you want to be made well? This man just gives excuses after excuses. Furthermore, this man is so focused on how he thinks he needs to be made well, that he doesn't realize that Jesus is standing right before him offering to make him well. This man is focused, okay, I need to be made well by going into this pool. In order to do that, I need to either get in before someone else or someone needs to put me in there. I need all this other stuff to make me well when, again, Jesus is standing right in front of him offering. Does this sound like us sometimes? What is our response to that question that Jesus asks? Do you want to be made well? Do we answer with excuses? Well, Jesus, I, if I had this one thing in my life, it would, my life would be so much better, right? 
if I had someone to help me through things, if some other person could help me, that would make, it, make my life better. Or, you know, if the government could come and pay my bills, that would make my life better. Or if I could just get this job that I've been hoping for, that would make my life better. We have so many things in our head that we think would make our lives better. But remember, Jesus is standing right before us saying, do you want to be made well? Our focus needs to not be on other things. We need to stop having excuses of why things are not going the way that we want them to. And just say yes to Jesus when he offers to change us. The next must follows really closely with this one. We must take action in our lives. You see, so after we have that, make that decision that we want Christ to change us, after we stop making excuses of why we can't change, we have to take action. You see, we can't just get closer to Christ by uh, having our Bible next to us and learning by osmosis, right? It doesn't just magically beam into our brains. We have to actually open up the book and read it. There are things that we have to do as followers of Christ. You know, to follow, that's, it. that's an action. We don't just go, after we're saved, we don't just go back to living our lives and just, okay, Christ, change me as, as, as I go, right? No, we have to follow. We have to decide to follow Christ. It's, a, it's an action. John chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 talks about this. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And so, after this man has excuses, what does Jesus say to him? Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Pick up your stuff and go. Stop laying there. That's what Jesus is saying to this man. This man had to do something there. This man had to actively pursue a better life. That whole taking up his bed thing. You, know, you realize that bed was his life there for 38 years. Jesus tells him, pick it up and go. Pick it up and go. We need to actively pursue godly change in our lives. If we are following Christ, we are pursuing him. We are going after him. When he tells us to go, that means go. When he, when he said, come follow me to his disciples, they had to drop what they were doing and follow him. Remember, we talked about a while ago that whole uh, discipleship experience that these, these men had following Christ. They would follow so closely that they would be caked in his dust. That means they went where he went. Again, it was an action. They didn't just sit around and you know, not listen. They had to listen to Christ. 
and for us, what listening to Christ is, is reading our Bibles, right? Uh, I know some people in here leave their Bibles at church. Don't leave your Bible at church. Take it home and read it. Now, if you have another Bible at home, I'm not bashing you, but please don't leave your Bible at church if that's the only Bible you have. That means that, what, how long are we here out of the week? A couple hours? A few hours? Maybe? So you're saying that you're giving Christ a few hours out of your week when he's telling us to live our lives for him. We need to actively pursue. And that means taking time to study. Another must in this passage. We must give credit to, to Jesus. We must give credit to Jesus. So when our lives are changed, inevitably, when we actively pursue Christ, right? When we are making change in our lives in following God, we can't take credit for that. When people see that we have changed, we can't take personal credit. Even though we are actively doing it and Christ is working in us, we are pursuing that change, it is not us. It is because of what Christ did in our lives. And we have to tell people that. We can't just say, okay, well, I got up on my own strength. No. You have to actively do it, but it is on Christ's strength that you are doing it. John chapter 5, verses 10 through 13 says, Jesus therefore said to him, who was cured, oh, sorry, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Now, just a side note there. The Jews were likely present, seeing what had happened. Remember, this man had been there for 38 years, now all of a sudden he's walking around. And their response to this is, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed because it's the Sabbath. So this man has some amazing change happen in his life and the people around him saying, you're not supposed to do that. What? But that is kind of true for us as well. When, when the people that have known us forever, when we change things, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not the same person I, I, I knew. Yeah. Why, why are you doing this? We need to tell them why we're doing it. So in verse 11, it says, He answered them, saying, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. And then, Verse 15, I'm skipping verse 14, I'll go back to it. Verse 15 says, The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So after he does find out that it was Jesus doing this, he tells them that it was Jesus. But even before he knew who it was, he says, The man who told me to take up my bed and walk, the man who made me well, uh, he told me to do this, so I did it. So when we change our life, when we enact change in our lives, godly change, we have to tell them that it was 
It was Jesus that told us to do it. Jesus told us to change our lives. That's, we have to live according to his word, right? We need to do that. And we, when people notice, we have to tell them. When people notice change in our lives, we need to point them to Christ. You see, this is kind of talking about lifestyle evangelism here. I'm not opposed to that idea. I, I'm also, I also believe that we should go out and tell people. But here, it is when you change your life, when you have change, people will notice. And we cannot ignore that. When people notice change, we have to tell them that it is only because of Christ. The last must in this passage. We must not allow ourselves to fall back into sin. So we start off, we make a decision, right, to follow Christ. We stop making excuses. And we, you know, give credit. To, or Sorry, we stop making excuses. We take action. We are changing. We give credit to Jesus. All of that can be for nothing if we fall back into sin. Do you realize how much backsliding can damage your testimony? We must not allow ourselves to fall back into sin. John chapter 5, verse 14 says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And so Jesus tells this man, You need to stop having sin in your life. You can have much worse things than being paralyzed happen to you. We need to not fall back into sin when we are following Christ. Because it's not good for us. Like that's, it's, it's a simple thing. Now, if you are saved, you are going to heaven. But there are very real punishments on earth for a sinful lifestyle. Things do happen. Even after we receive forgiveness for it, sometimes we still have to pay the consequences here. We need to not fall back into sin. You know, thinking about our testimonies a little bit when we are going out telling people about Christ. Imagine the thought that those people that saw change in your life and then you tell them it's because of Jesus and maybe that wears off over time, right? And maybe you fall back into some of those old sinful habits. What are those people going to think that saw that change initially and then see you again falling back into your sin. Does it help things? No. It damages that. They're going to think, well, you know, see, that, that really was kind of a fake thing. Oh, he just got a, an experience, right? He didn't really change his life. It was just temporary. So why should I follow Jesus then? That's what people think. That's why a lot of people think that Christians are hypocrites. Right? Because when we tell people about Christ and yet we're not living the lifestyle, people can look at us kind of bad. 
We need to not do that. So I'll end this morning with this as the pianist and song leader come. That question at the beginning. Do you want to be made well? If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're not saved, do you want to be made well? Jesus doesn't force himself upon us. It's a choice to follow Christ. It's a choice to be made well. You know, in the older versions of the Bible, in the older King James, it says, do you want to be made whole? That's so much more powerful because it's not just about being, you know, getting well from an illness. It's about being whole. So, you know, on the inside and out, Jesus is going to make us whole. Jesus is going to make us better. You have to make that choice in your life. You know, back in Deuteronomy, there's a, right before they're uh, about to go into the promised land, after Mo when Moses is about to hand off leadership to Joshua, Moses talks to the people of Israel and gives them a choice. They can either follow God and have life and success, or they cannot and they will have death and destruction. That's the choice there, because what is waiting for us when we die is either life with God or it's hell and destruction. We have to make that choice to follow Jesus. All you have to do this morning in order to do that is pray to him, repent of your sin. That means to change, to turn around and believe that he is your Lord and that he came and died for your sins on a cross. Repent and believe. Those are the only two things that you have to do. Uh, there's no magic prayer that is going to solve things for you. Repent and believe. However you do that this morning, that, that's what you need to do. Do that this morning. Be made well.